Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rum and Cinema. Today, we're going to be talking about Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's newest film, which I probably still in theaters, or it's now rentable and viable on digital. Uh, you can find us it at YouTube. It does seem like it's dropping out of theaters, which is, is a huge bummer to me. Yeah. I was like shocked. Not as quick as The Flash. Yikes. Whoa. Yikes. Covering movies that you won't be able to see because they went out of theaters within two weeks. I thought the whole thing was we're doing like movies that you can stream. That's what we switched to. But now we're at yeah. everything. Uh, you can find us on YouTube.com slash at Rubin Cinema or TikTok at Rubin Cinema. Nate and Jake are joining me as always. Nate, how are you? I just finished the movie and I'm super pumped. Uh, I think I was the most bullish on this movie i still love what every time i see wes anderson come up uh but this was much better than i expected and i think it surprised you guys so i'm excited to talk about it very much so i uh i was talking to nate er before this and i think it's my favorite wes anderson right now it's my favorite wes anderson movie like fresh off of second watch but you know grand budapest is still really good mr fox is still really good it's in there i think it might hold up though i think so too i agree it's one of the best it's like it really is works. I think like the ah, we'll get into it. <laughs> Let Jake talk first. Jake, how are you? Well, someone here has to be the voice of dissent. Oh no! No, I actually um, uh, I messaged these two guys uh, shortly after I saw the movie, and I said that I really didn't want to like this movie, but I really did. Mm. Uh, it so I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Definitely keeps you thinking afterwards, although, I don't mm. know, there's still a, there's still an element of that, of that excessively very artsy film that just rubs me the wrong way. Sure. But uh, that's that's not the takeaway from this. The takeaway from it's, this is that it's really it's good. It's unclear if, if after enough watches it will make sense and not just be overly arty, but I think the distinction here is that, like, I think people would criticize Wes Anderson films for being overly arty in terms of the, like... Like style over substance. Like the visual style and the, like, dialogue and not having anything to, like, back it up, which, like, I don't really agree with. Usually there's a lot of emotional arcs and fun characters. But this movie, that weird surreal part might also, like... I think it might be working with that. That's kind of what Mm. I was saying before. Like, I think... The surrealist part, I think, goes really well with Wes Anderson's style and just makes them both better. I, I think I'd agree with that. I think uh, I, I think the visual direction of this movie was just peak mm. for, for what it was trying to do. Um, I don't want to just hop into what I dislike about it. I think it'll come up as we get there. But I think uh, in, in broad strokes, I think my, my issue with how artsy this movie is is that I think there's a lot of things that are very, very intentionally vague and up for interpretation to the point where it's like too much. I felt that on the first watch, but not the second watch. See, I'm curious to see what you, uh, what, what you have then as your, as your reasons for like the meanings behind things. You're not going to like it. Because, I know that. Already. This, that's the thing. That's I, I bet you could get ten different people to watch yeah. this movie to ruminate on the meeting, and you'd get ten different meanings. And I think that's the point, which is also right, why I which I don't <laughs> like. It has to be good, but that that doesn't mean it's bad either. Yeah. It depends the, I, yeah, on that, what they give you. 
That I agree with. Be- because then you're you're just stuck with, okay, well, how's the movie? Just at face value then. Mm. Which, yeah. that's why I say I was pleasantly surprised. I really like it because I think the movie's yeah, killer. Even if you dismiss all that, it's a really good comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you you probably still have to like like the weird stuff to enjoy that com- some of the comedy. But if yeah. you do, it's some of the funniest shit I've seen in a long time. It's like I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this that doesn't just not into weird shit. (laughs) If you are, get out. Yeah, weirdos only. Uh, I think we also really like Taskmaster and like like British deadpan humor, which it feels like is what Wes Anderson's kind of like approaches, like awkward. Awkward, funny, and deadpan. See, I I feel like I feel like that's rude to Wes Anderson. Hey, Taskmaster is hilarious. Right. Taskmaster is hilarious, but I also wouldn't call... I, I think the bits on Taskmaster that flop the hardest are some of the intro bits where they just go mm. for British deadpan humor too hard. True. And I'm like... <laughs> but but then that's what's funny about it is it's funny that it was a miss. Yeah, right. right. You can't you know, and then you're, and then Yeah, and then you're laughing because Alex just completely flopped. <laughs> On his, on his intro bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, before yeah. we, this, get, it's like dry. It's like dry, but over the top at the same time. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the bits I think we're gonna get over, go over in this, like the one we were just talking about, kids singing. Like it's it's not it's dry because it's not inherently funny, mm-hmm. but they go so over the top that it like really, it, yeah, it doesn't feel like British humor to me. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. I do want to bring up that the I think I speak for all of us in saying that we stand with the Writers Guild and the and the Actors Guild. It just feels weird doing like a movie podcast in the middle of two of the biggest strikes ever when like the movie companies that we give money to watch these movies are like saying they're going to dry out the writers until they have to move out of their apartments and their houses, which is like some of the most fucked up like direct capitalist yeah. language I've ever heard in my life. So yeah, uh, I can't believe they just came out and said that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's strange for they, me internally to it's like true, and they can get away with it. Well, a hundred percent. It's it's. I just want to bring that up. That like acknowledge that that's happening, and that uh, obviously we stand with the labor boards on that side. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of podcasts that uh, explicitly call out that they're not doing any segments they write ahead of time, and I feel like we were in the clear there. Oh boy, are we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, we I was also we don't was prepare also anything. <laughs> We're also kind of set because I know Nate does his part and hardly ever pays for a movie. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's why I torrented this movie. But. So, you know, do your thing. However you feel, you can do your thing. But uh, I I live in L.A., and when I drive past a picket line, I always honk a couple times just to make it feel better. You know, I'm here with you. Um, You're doing so, your part. Yeah, that's all I can literally do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that going forward because it – part of me today was like how do we like talk about netflix and hbo max and uh 20th century fox and not be like they're also shitheads like they're run by shitheads 100 percent. like yeah. bob Iger's a yeah. douchebag fuck those people yeah like he, he made 27 million dollars this year and he's like we think we should do less marvel and star wars movies which i agree with but then he goes like writers make too, are asking for too much it's like go fuck yourself with a golden dildo you cunt yeah. jesus christ that he can pay okay. for like a continuous struggle for a lot of things you know because like like amazon is 
god awful yeah. company, but god damn, I got a Vitamix you know. for fifty percent yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, so you're in like oh two days. <laughs> Shit, there is no. I I watch this other podcast about wrestling. Uh, it's on Cultaholic on YouTube, and there there's a guy in there called Matthew, and he he always says there's no such thing as ethical consumption in capitalism. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm feeling that a bit more now more than more than ever. So. But is that, that just a justification to consume whatever you want? Uh, I mean, it makes me feel better. But I, I, I think just acknowledging it is the literal least I can do. <laughs> so I'll at least do that. Um, but that's, yeah, that's what I've always strive for in life. It's like, am I an asshole? Yeah, but I'm self-aware. Yeah, it's meta now. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's you know. I'm it just performing me, my life ma- as a commentary. Makes me better than the other assholes. <laughs> All right. So as long as we're not as big of an asshole as Bob Iger, we'll be okay. And I think so far so good. So, yeah, just uh, keep that in mind. Writers, actors, we like what you do. Obviously, we made a goddamn podcast about it. So, But also believe in fairness for people that work and make things that we love. So, yes. yeah. All right. Uh, now we, are, we are rooting for them. 100%. Uh, thanks for indulging me in that. Uh, let's talk about Asteroid City. Wes Anderson's newest movie. I think uh, Wes Anderson's one of the few people that, in movies, that you say, "Oh, what kind of a movie is it?" It's a Wes Anderson movie. You know what I mean? Like it's its own genre. Yeah. And yeah, I I agree. Yeah, and this movie definitely fit the bill in like a really nice way. Uh, one question I wanted to ask: What other Wes Anderson movies have you all seen? And if you don't remember all of them, fine. But like. Is it basically is this your first or second one? As far as I'm aware, I have only seen Grand Budapest. Okay, I think that's a really good one to start with. Personally, I love that one. So you've seen this one and Grand Budapest. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Nate, do you know how many you've seen? I think I've seen all of them yeah. except for the French Dispatch, which we discussed his yeah. most recent movie, which we started but then uh, didn't get around to finishing. Yeah, that one's um, different. Isle of Dogs. Uh, is a favorite. That was fun. The Royal Tenenbaums is really old uh, and weird. We rewatched that one recently. You know, um, as I'm, it's not sorry to interrupt. But as I'm going through his list of movies here, uh, kind of surprised at how low they seem to score on IMDb. Oh, it's yeah. not like they're scoring low, but um, sevens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're all like sevens, and it's like they're huh. not for everyone. I don't know that a single one of his is in the top two fifty. But yeah, not for everybody. <clears throat> Though, so someone was pointing out today. I was actually watching uh, a board game video uh, podcast about how uh, not a podcast, cool. but a YouTube about. Hey, I know. Uh, no, I would love uh, it. <laughs> uh, about, he, but he was basically saying like the top 100 games on Board Game Geek. Uh, it's a mistake to just like go and say those are all the best ones because those are like. That's for a particular like crowd, and it's curated in a certain way. And he actually drew the analogy like the top hundred movies on IMDb are not actually like there is a lot. Of, I mean, we found when we did that game where we tried to describe <laughs> the movie posters. There's a lot of uh, shit in there. Yeah. Movie's been going on for a long time. Uh, or so it surprised me that the one star reviews, the, the one star reviews that we we read as a <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, a lot of people don't like don't like things inexplicably yeah i guess so yeah the the ratings uh, make some sense i'd say yeah 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 and i think this has always been like west Anderson's like the biggest niche director in the <laughs> world like 
his his movies are very very popular but also like 90 percent of people probably do not like them yeah i think every time i recommend a wes anderson movie i always ask like i was watching this movie and i was like oh i know a couple people that i think would like this and the first thing i ask is have you seen a wes anderson movie before and if they say no i tell them all right go watch one that you think you'll like and come back and then watch this one yeah i don't think this would be a good first one for people i think this would be a good like third or fourth but it's really good mm -hmm. i think the best intro might be grand budapest that feels like the most accessible yeah it's got broad appeal uh, moonrise kingdom is too oh yeah I think. that one's really good it's it's got you know more emotion bruce willis to it, too jake oh you gotta love bruce willis the oh yeah that's bruce how we willis. get jake in yeah. The Bruce Willis. <laughs> the Bruce Willis. Uh, I don't think Good. that what's his face has been in one though. Who's the guy? Gomez. What's his name? <laughs> it's Gomez uh, Adams in Wednesday. Uh, uh, and he's in. Uh, he's the other one you really like. He'll be next. Luis Guzman. I mean, yes, Luis one of, Guzman. One of the most surprising things in in West Anderson movies is how big the cast is. Oh so my god! I'm sure Luis Guzman will be in there soon. Yeah. This one was ridiculous. Yeah, too. he seems to he seems to have quite a bit of pull on getting big names for any role. Yeah, and they're usually you know, not like like paying a lot of money. You know, I think I was seeing somewhere Edward Norton was saying he made like forty two hundred bucks from one of the movies because wow. And like Jason Schwartzman was talking about making this movie, and he was like, I had no idea it was going on, and like that's funny as like as we get to explaining the <laughs> yeah, movie, but like that is great. He was saying the way that Wes shoots it is it's like all like, obviously you don't shoot it chronologically. You shoot it would make sense for actors you have on set and staging. And he's like, you just see your little part and you have no idea what the rest of it is. So like even from the main character, that's funny to see in here. Yeah. And then he saw the finished thought, product and he's like, I'm still not sure. Am I in this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say J Jason Schwartzman. I thought you were going off how little they were paid. I thought Jason Schwartzman was just complaining. He's like, I only do Wes Anderson movies. And I, I, only, I get paid like 4200 bucks every four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what movie Edward Norton was talking about. It might have been this one because he's kind of in it. He was probably there for like three days of shooting. Hmm. Um, maybe more. I don't know how that works. Uh, but yeah, so let's get to it. A um, couple of pieces of trivia. Uh, Steve Carell is in this movie. He plays a fun little motel owner. And uh, Bill Murray was supposed to play that part, but got COVID. So they had to recast him. And I think Steve Carell crushed it. I don't know how I Bill Murray would say, That's been. sad, but Steve Carell was great. That it would not so have been good. the same with Bill Murray. Yeah. The the peppy energy would not have would not have been as good. And the, Bill Murray would not have been as good. Just He would have been sarcastic. What What yeah. was that line that it's was it an apology or he's like oh that that he was every time somebody would ask him something and he'd be beg like, your pardon i understand i'm beg your pardon yeah yeah, yeah he said like pardon. three things in succession it, yeah. yeah it's great yeah it's really good and the vending machines were awesome god everything about this movie was fucking cool uh michael sarah was originally cast for an unknown role but he obviously didn't make it into the film don't know which role he was going for don't probably the alien <laughs> I bet There's they no way that Jeff Goldblum wasn't the first and only choice for the alien. <laughs> well, you get Michael Sarah, you can save 120 bucks on that <laughs> costume. <laughs> so uh, the movie opens on a four by three black and white screen. 
a local TV station, and I was like, here we go, Wes. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston is our narrator, and he intros about a new play called Asteroid City, which is made for a broadcast. Edward Norton is our writer who's making the play, and then um, he talks about the awful writing process and how like hard it is and all that stuff. That's cool. Um, and then we see the behind the scenes, and we introduce the characters, which I thought was a really fun way to do it. Uh, basically, they go through the whole start of a play, like a script for a screenplay. Um, where they introduce the the stage and what the stage looks like and what the, who the characters are real quick in succession, and the characters like look at the camera. Some of them do as their names are being called, which I thought was a really fun way to introduce everybody. Um, and then we get to a train, which brings us into the city, and then we kind of switch from black and white to color, Wizard of Oz style, and we go with um, we're in the play now, like we're living in the play that's being played out. And this back and forth storytelling, I thought was really cool and really well done um because it's visually so striking the differences and the tones are different and the characters are playing different characters like in the movie and out of the movie that was really cool and like yeah they did Possibly a really good my, job like, with that. my favorite part when they yeah the first time we jump out and they're just like having a conversation yeah it's great loved it yeah it was really able to add nice humor and like insight and uh, uh, like another layer of thoughtfulness to this movie. I think if it was just one or just the other, it wouldn't have been as good, obviously, but putting them together like that was really cool. I read somewhere that the quarantine part was kind of added late because they were actually in a quarantine with COVID. Um, mm. And that was like a kind of add-on, but I don't know if that's verified or not. So, But yeah, the train was super cool too. That's a good point. It's it's a little late. I think we've gotten over it, but uh, when they re-quarantine, that does yeah. really capture the emotion. <laughs> that was a good that was a good laugh that was that was really fun um i watched a video my wife sent me about the train the person who made the train the miniature it was sick it's awesome like all the detail they put into these miniatures and they build and the set and uh so we open up on the small town it's got a on-ramp uh, to nowhere so go ahead you 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 wrote in here about the miniature train intro being super cool and like I actually saw that before I watched the movie. Oh, nice. And as I'm watching it and I realize it even it still took me a second. I was like, oh, oh, that's a miniature. I got <laughs> it. I got it. And then as it pans into the town and the town is still a miniature, I was like, okay, eventually this is going to turn into a real set. And I still didn't catch it. Yeah. Like yeah. I still didn't see when it transitioned. It was that was really cool. Like well, when the guy is in front of it moving, I'm like, oh shit, we trained oh shit, I missed it. Yeah. Like it was so good with the detail. And I, I think that was something I tried to keep in mind throughout the movie, and sometimes you forget um, that they, they do introduce it as a play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like that's it's something to consider. Like, you know, at a certain point you get lost in it and you're just watching a movie, but you're actually watching a movie of a play, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a movie ab- about a m- filming of a play? Yeah, I, it's it's it gets a I, little convoluted. I'm not 100 percent sure, and they they also convolute it further by by later on having like mm. it starts to blend what's what's movie and what's play, <laughs> but uh, just, it 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 definitely has like very strong like ties to being a play instead of being a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can really tell in the way like things are shot, uh, which is great. Like when they it's being shot like it's a play, like a small little set, and then they're rehearsing a play in the play. It's 
Uh, and I've always thought Wes yeah. Anderson's movies are kind of shot like a play. Like it's very like this is the frame we're looking at. Things are going to move within the frame, but you're going to stay still. Um, so I think that worked out really well for his aesthetic. So Jason yeah. Schwartzman's character Augie and their family gets towed into this little town that we see has a one stall gas station. It's got a diner. It's got a motel, uh, and it has a uh, freeway on ramp to nowhere with a sign that says like "road closed," like building error or something like that, road construction error, which was a nice Just touch. Road, road closed indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they have a, the crater, which is like the local spot, which we're introduced to with a billboard that says it was here, you know, circa five thousand years ago. And there's this little gate that leads you right to the start of the crater, like a single file gate. Just the little touches like that were so fun and whimsical. Yeah. Which even uh, that part looks like you're looking over a model of a city. Yeah. Like, which it honestly probably was. Yeah. Uh for some of those shots, like the asteroid shot. It was probably a miniature. And maybe this is recency bias, but I was watching the Wonka trailer and I thought why did they not get Wes Anderson to do that movie? That would have been so much cooler looking. Like, it looks fine, but, you know, that would have been an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, That's kind of an example of a director who you say it's, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, starts with the, there's a B in there. Interesting. The guy who's in love with Johnny Depp. Ebenezer. Who shot, who shot, who shot the, 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 Willy and the, the new Willy Wonka. With a B that's in love with... I don't know if it starts with a B. Uh, Edward Scissor's hands. Oh, Burton. Uh, Burton, yeah. yeah. Tim Burton. It's another one. You, you can kind of be like, it's a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, he could do that. I mean, he didn't do this one. He did? Didn't he do one? Didn't he do the Johnny Depp Wonka? That's what I'm talking about. Sorry, oh, not Burton. I thought you were talking about Timothy Oh, uh, you, you made me think. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, there's, oh, new Wonka there's another Willy Wonka. I forgot there's another <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, God yeah. damn it. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet, uh, and guess who plays an Oompa Loompa? The Oompa Loompa. No idea. Hugh Grant. Yep, exactly. There's only one Oompa Loompa? That we've seen in the trailer. Well, they just copy-paste him. Oh. Well, not yet. Not, sure. not yet. I mean, not that we've seen. How about that? But yeah, so... Um, I don't like that. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's family shows up. His name is Augie. And he has a kid, Woodrow, and then three very Cosmo names that are said like three times that I forget them. Um, but they're fun. And I thought they were all the names of... Constellations. Cassiopeia was in Yes. There. No, moons. Oh, you're right. Aren't those moons? Yeah. yeah they were right. all moons. Nerds. Uh, so those three show up. <laughs> and uh, they get out of the car and they go into a diner. And then uh, there's nuclear bomb testing happening near them. And, like, they kind of, like, look for a minute and everybody else just kind of acts like that's normal. And I thought that was interesting on the second watch because what we're going to find out, it's, like, nothing amazes these people. Or, like, you know, they're kind of, like, like lost in the sauce. Like, they're just doing whatever. And the funny thing I thought was maybe this was filmed right next to Oppenheimer. And, like, we're just seeing, like, the side story of what happened near Oppenheimer's area. Um, so they go in and we meet a famous person named Midge who is a famous actor played by Scarlett Johansson who has a daughter who is there for the same event that Woodrow is there for which is a stargazer space cadet basically like a science fair for really smart kids um, and 
Jason Schwartzman is towed there by a tow truck. He finds out his car's not working. Um, we try to fix it. It doesn't work. It does a whimsical little, oh, your carburetor's on fire and like jumping around like a snake. And it's a problem we've never seen before, which was a funny that, line. That scene was, uh, I think, a good example if I wanted to explain to someone what Wes Anderson dialogue was like. Uh, I can't think of anyone else who does something quite like that. And it's where it can get annoying or it can be really funny. Yeah. And this scene, because yeah, he introduced it. And he's like, I've seen I've seen this set of symptoms exactly twice before. Yeah. Once the fix was a 75 set part. The other time, the car, like, it was a lengthy yada yada process. We had to tear it, put it together. It didn't work. The engine exploded. Yeah. And he's like, which one is this? And he's like, we're about to find out. <laughs> and then... And at that point, and, I'm still not and, quite the, on board. The very dramatic, like... Yeah, uh-huh. when he takes out the piece and twists it, that's when I started laughing. And yeah. I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, that's, that's good again. Yeah, it's a good little, like, <clears throat> this is what you're here for. Get ready kind of moment. Because Jeffrey Wright later on, when he introduces the the Stargazers, I think is another one of those moments where he has a long monologue with a lot of little cool movements and motions and, like... As a watching an actor, it's really cool to see them pull that off in one take, which is wild. Um, yeah, and it's just like surreal. Like you're like no one talks like this. It's obnoxious, but it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I noticed yeah. there was like a ticking noise or some sort of a like beat almost the whole movie. You could hear it underneath. Mm. Uh, there was like a fan going in that situation. There was a whistle <clears throat> later on. There was actual like bells playing from the. The soundtrack. It felt like there was a rhythm to this whole movie. Yeah, which you definitely feel with the, the speech dialogue. you were talking about. There's the mysterious clock in the background that just ticks every <laughs> yep. every second. Yeah, yeah. And there's like people tapping their foot, and the kids uh, at the end of the movie, near the end, when Steve Carell's explaining that they're renaming the town, the kids like holding his change and doing it rhythmically like this, and it matches the mm, beat. It's really yep. cool. Like, there's like this flow that this movie takes you down. It, it's like a river. Like you're kind of just on it the whole time. Which I think will lead to my case for why, what it's about, and why Jake will hate it even more. <laughs> um, so a lot of people are introduced. Uh, we see a lot of the cadet families. So there is the Chos who are living in a tent because the thing blew up. Like, it's such a little thing, but such a nice way to introduce it. Like, Steve Carell checks them in. He's like, oh, we were doing some maintenance, and the thing burned down. You're in a tent. It's more of a flap, not a door. Like... Like, very customer service <laughs> which was fun. Yeah. Um, so here's the key. Though you don't have a door, it's a flap. Yeah. <laughs> a tent flap. Um, and his kid makes a, like, hover situation. And he's also, like, very staunchly um, newspaper type of person. So that's, that's this person. Leah Schreiber's kid makes a death ray and constantly asks if we want to dare him to do something because it's an experiment. That comes up a lot, which is a fun little line. Um, and then we have a Girl Scout played by the girl from It. And what else was she in recently? Something else. But, yeah, she's a girl from It. Um, she makes a... Oh, God, what did she make? Something. She made something fun. And she's with... She's, like, a huge fan of Midge. Like, all, everybody seems to be. The guys especially. Like, every time someone mentions Midge <laughs> as one of the guys, they're all like, oh. Um, and then we have Woodrow, who made a uh, machine that'll, like, transpose an image onto the moon from Earth. 
and it's he's like this can be already used for like interstellar advertising which is a really funny line yes it's so there were at this point there were two things that i thought were kind of interesting one you you know that it's like they're all oh you know that the, the kid is already super smart yeah like big time nerd but you know outside of being a little bit of a caricature you know he just seems like this real brainiac kid um it's not until they start talking about the inventions that you're like okay these are like you know literally superhuman super genius kids like they're uh yes like and then also it's funny because even among them his all of the other three inventions i'm trying was the other one like a teleportation no i thought his was going to be teleportation i might be when he had the little circle Oh yeah. In the middle, I assumed it was going to be a, tel- yeah. like a teleportation, but it wasn't. But but anyway, so all all of the inventions were you know just crazy, impossible, impressive things. Oh, girl invented accelerated plant growth. That was Midge's oh, daughter. Right. Like cosmic energy. That was Midge's daughter. Not the oh girl. okay. Yeah. And the other the the Girl Scout had another. There was another one. Still. Oh, she did. Uh, she invented uh element. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. smoradonium or something they called it. Yeah, but but out of all the the five inventions that uh, oh what's his name the the oh, I can't even think of his nickname Brainiac Woodrow Woodrow what was his what was his uh like nerd nickname Brainiac that his mom gave it said Brainiac yeah, was it Brainiac, Brainiac? Yeah. okay okay. Yeah. So, so Woodrow's invention out of all of them was, and it was revealed last, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, the least impressive. Uh, obviously, it's still, you know, an impossible and impressive thing, but just compared to the others, and then and then again, it's that glib kind of humor, like, yeah, this will be really useful in interstellar advertising. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I also like how it's kind of foreshadowing. Uh, Midge's daughter, I think Dar Dia, something like that, some of the D. Her invention is literally helping things bloom, and we talk about Woodrow being a late bloomer, and I thought that was a nice little touch. They get together and kind of like become cutesy together, like every Wes Anderson movie has like some fourteen-year-old nerd boy getting his first boner from a girl, and like this is <laughs> this is this one. Um, Bit of wish fulfillment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was very cool that that was her invention was like helping things bloom faster and that's exactly what she she like brought the best out of woodrow um when they were together so jason schwartzman's character uh is calling his wife's dad who is tom hanks and we find out some things during this phone call that woodrow is here for the stargazer thing we're gonna stay we want tom hanks to come pick up the other girl the three girls and we find out that Jason Schwartzman's wife, the girls, and the Woodrow's mom is dead. And Jason Schwartzman hasn't told them yet. And it's been like three weeks. So it's a bit strange. And I think that's part of the movie too, is like how to deal with grief and death and all that. And how do we how do we move through life through these moments, right? And how do we feel them and how do we not feel them? And how do we kind of conceal ourselves from from the real world? Which is where I think the chant at the end of the movie the um the one what do they say over and over and over 
How can you, you dream can't, if you don't fall asleep? You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Can't wake up. Yeah, so it's like you can't even start one thing if you don't accept another is what I kind of took out of that. Like if in a grief situation, you know, if you don't accept the grief and kind of lean into it a bit or feelings in general, it's going to be hard to move on or be the next day or, you know, the next part of your life, which Augie, Jason Swartzman's character, kind of embodies really well, and so does Midge, Scarlett Johansson's character. And, and there's a scene later where we'll jump into that more. So they all get settled in, and then they go to uh, um, kind of an event for all of them, all the kids that are there for a uh, uh, ceremony. Nerd camp. Yeah, 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 nerd camp. Yeah, <laughs> Ceremony where they get like a $5,000 <laughs> scholarship, which is 1955, so it's a lot of money. And uh, it's put on by the military and the research portion of the military. Jeffrey Wright's the commander or general or whatever rank you want to – they actually have him in in this situation – and he gives a really fun speech, very, very Wes Anderson speech, where he comes up, a new microphone pops up, he goes stay, left, goes right, bold microphone, <laughs> comes so back. Strange. It's so well it done. Like, the strangest part of the movie up to that point. Mm-hmm. This was, I believe, before we saw the inventions. But like, uh, just, yeah. It, yeah, weird. I think it was. Yeah. The, other, the other thing that was funny is they, they make such a big deal about, like, the, the gag with the microphones. Like, because first he, like, steps up and he, like, takes a couple steps forward. And then some other guy, he pops up with another, you know. But then at a certain point, he walks away from the microphone and he has no microphone. But there's no change in volume <laughs> or acoustics or anything. <laughs> so the microphone doesn't even matter. Yep. And then he goes back to it. And, the, yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, the someone pointed this out online mm-hmm. that uh, the main part, the main guy in the in the band, uh, who like falls for Maya Hawk's character, yeah, um, he Montana, you, yeah, Montana. You always hear him with um, spurs on, but he's never wearing spurs. Like you always hear spurs when he's walking, but he's uh, never actually wearing them. Say, one of the closest spit takes is when they're all sitting there, and I realized that they had brought. They had brought hay bales to sit on. <laughs> They're all just sitting around. They just brought their own hay bales with them everywhere they go. <laughs> Who needs a chair? Um, so, yeah, they show off all their inventions. And then uh, an alien comes down. Oh, sorry. It's a little later. Okay. So they show off their inventions. It's all cool. And then um, at midnight, they all come back. And they're uh, looking at these three dots, the three ellipses. Which in, are in between now and then, yeah. there's there's not a lot of plot, but it is like another again another favorite Wes Anderson thing is the scene of the barbecue where it's just going between all of these little like vignettes of the different groups of people talking and being just really weird. Yeah, uh, like you said, like talking side, like the the parents are are arguing about things, the the teachers like wrangling the kids and like really nervous uh the smart kids are all talking and i think they start playing that name game yeah uh it's just like little little groups of uh like it just and it goes between them really fast like the camera's basically just like panning through uh the barbecue and you're just like the voice is the sound is cutting in and out of each scene as it's like switches between the the different groups of people interacting technically that would be just a too dog. fast to get, like keep anything either just a- like i can't remember everything that happened be a dolly not a pan pan is a pivot dolly is yeah just ah you know i would have that's i I would i would have guessed i would have guessed a pan was a like a lateral movement i know 
It is, but it's at a pivot point. But he's saying it's a different. It's it's a rotational. Yeah. Lateral. Yeah. No. I, I'm, so, I'm so. saying I, I would I would have called it a translation. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I think that's a dolly. It's either a dolly or a track shot. I can't remember. But I was, I took one yeah. film class in college. And the professor was really funny. He was like, if you, first day, he goes, if you're here for an easy A, you hit the fucking jackpot. And then the third or fourth day, <laughs> he was like, uh, the good thing about film terms is they're all made up in America, so they're stupid and they make sense for what they should be. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that one's Love Dolly, it. but we'll find out in the comments if I'm wrong. No, I, I believe you. We just call it the tool that it's being used to. Crane shot? Yeah. It's on a crane. Fucking hard. Yep. <laughs> makes sense. Um, so we go it, at midnight now. We introduce Tilda Swinton's character, a doc, Dr. Hickenlooper, I believe is her name. Um, and we find out that there are these three ellipses in the, the solar system that come together, and you can see them through this box. Otherwise, you'll burn them on your retinas. It's like a solar eclipse kind of thing. Like, don't look at the sun. Look through this box. So they have all these boxes on their head. I desperately want to go back and listen to her speech. There's so many of these things where, like, there it's meaningless. This is not like a deeper meaning. It's just hilarious what she said. Yeah, the scientific part that she said of like, like yada yada blah blah blah, and like this basically proves the theory of of interstellar flirtation. I think she says. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but the kicker is the math doesn't work out. It's that is it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I was just. Cat, like just chuckling the entire movie, like every fifteen seconds, because of stuff like that, where it's there's no deeper meaning. It's just funny, like when Je- uh, Jeffrey Wright's doing is that his name? I keep saying it, so I hope I'm right. Yeah, he's uh, going through um, about science, and he goes, "Someone took a trillion and divided it by the circumference of the Earth, <laughs> and then came up with this number, and we called it whatever." And it was just such a cool like. I don't know. Yeah, it's like total poem. nonsense. Yeah, it's like poetic yeah, nonsense. It was. That, that was like yeah. word jazz. Which I think the rhythm helps. <laughs> like the background rhythm helps so much with that. Like you don't notice it. But like unless you're listening for it. And then you're like, oh shit, this is like, all right, I like this. It's a vibe. Um, so they look up and then this green light shows up next to these other lights. And an alien spaceship comes down. And they do it in the most Wes Anderson way. There's like claymation looking alien Yes, for for all of, you know, because it you know it started off like a play, clear miniatures. It transitioned into looking like a movie, but there's still like this comical, you know, you you can tell, you know, oh, it's funny, wacky props, like when they're panning across and the people are in a tent, you know, you can, it's it's clearly a lot of like gag props for, uh, that they use for the set, but the alien was another level. The alien was clearly this crazy cheap low budget like i'm talking like maybe in like the 60s if they would have tried their hardest this is the alien they would have come up with yeah which it's set in 1955 i, I do <laughs> think that's what he was going for yeah but that does beg do you have it to pay is when that happened when he pulled out and i'm just like dying laughing and taylor was just like but why does he do that <laughs> like why does wes anderson do that it's like if she, if he would have just like had a guy in a costume like what we see Jeff Jeff Goldblum later, mm-hmm. it would have still fit the vibe and it would have worked. It's like why do this? And I was like, I honestly don't know, but I love it. Yeah, I do too. I think it's just it makes it's cooler for some reason. It just makes more sense to me in a Wes Anderson movie to have that than like a green screen with Jeff Goldblum going oh. But what's your stuff? He, 
Here's the thing. If someone else did it, you'd roll your eyes. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's earned it. Wes has earned it. (laughs) He's earned it by bullishly doing nothing but that. 100%. Yeah. At this point, it's an aesthetic. It just keeps working. It's like Picasso. Like, you know, Picasso's later days when you're like, oh, it's all cubist and I don't know if that's a face or not. Picasso could pull it off, all right? Or Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock could pull that off. Anybody else tries? What the <laughs> fuck are you painting, bro? What are you doing? <laughs> um, just trying to do a Wes Anderson. Yeah, just fucking make it. And then, like, TikTok trend right now. Everybody making Wes Anderson little movies that are so cool looking, but they do them kind of wrong. That, yeah. Well, most of them that I've seen are AI, right? Like Oh, those ones? Yeah, yeah. There's a new trend yeah. where people, like, real life do it. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. They'll be like, A Day at the Spa, Wes Anderson style, and be like, D- the same song over it. and It's just <laughs> uh, like they find one color palette and just like shoot it over and over and over. It's it's fun. It's a fun little thing. So yeah. um, the beeps and boops that we see earlier uh, is a date, and it's today, and that's the day the alien comes. And drops down. Oh, still up. No explanation for how. Exactly. Yes. He just yeah. he just goes maybe a date. Oh, we think it's a date, and then he goes, and then literally five seconds later, he's like, "Is it usually today?" Yeah. And everyone's just like, "There's no explanation." Yeah, that. and and they they don't ask him either because oh. so yeah, it's uh, this whole team of scientists have been studying this thing for years, and they don't know what it means. They don't even have a guess. This kid looks at it and goes, "Oh, it's it's a clock. It's counting down. Oh, is it always today's date?" So he can oh, yeah. clearly read I, it. And they don't even ask him about it. They just like, oh, he can read it. My explanation no, for why exact, is going to piss you off. <laughs> well, I just it is it's so the exact quote from Matilda Swift. He goes, he goes like, uh, he says something about changing, and he goes maybe a date, mm. and then Tilda Swift's character date? goes, so and so have we have we looked at this? We think maybe it's a date, <laughs> and then like yes. that's what she says. <laughs> and then and then he says, is it always today? Just that's the next line. It's like they give us the minimum we need to know to go forward in this story. And I love yeah. that part of it. I think that's why I like it so much. They're just giving us enough. Like, maybe that's not how it actually happened because why would it? But it's fun to see it in that way. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need, yeah. the, we don't need the all killer, no filler. Some 41 said it best, you know? Let's make it, make it a thing. So yeah. we end act one. The space alien okay, came down. Of, don't sleep on the alien. Yeah, no, the alien the came down. Alien and yeah. Just like Awkwardly. meekly, yeah, meekly picks up. He's like, like when everyone's he poses watching him. for the picture. Yes, no, yeah. He's <laughs> uh, so he picks up the crater or the comp meteorite. It's a meteorite at this point because it's landed, yeah. right? So he picks up yes. the meteorite, Nerd. the thing that they're all. Hey, yeah, I took yeah. One astrology class, astronomy class, and an astrology <laughs> class, Pisces. Uh, so he has the, <laughs> the meteorite. Capricorn. <laughs> He goes, he makes a pose, and Augie takes a, oh, Augie's a photographer. I don't know if you mentioned that. He takes a photo. And uh, the alien is, then leaves, just leaves. Like, nothing happened. And we end the act, and we find out that everyone is under quarantine (laughs) because of some rule from the president from 1955 that they read and then shred immediately, which is just so awesome and a fun way to do it. And it's, it's it's the classic Area 51. You yes. know, you have to contain it. You have to deny that it ever happened. But now they have this problem where it's civilians that have seen it. So what are they going to do? You know, they have to 
it's going to be hard for them to contain because these people don't answer to the government. The scene where they're going like past all the kids and their parents being like talked to, like the first group is the dare guy and his dad, and they're getting like worked on medically. And the kid's like, do you dare me to push that button? And it says, don't press button right above it. <laughs> and then the next one is the the girl from It who's the scout. And she's just going through like those, what are they called, Rorschach tests. And she's like, oh, that's yep. an alien eating soup. That's an alien out at the pasture. That's an alien on a cow. It's like everything's an alien. Um, and then they keep going. And it eventually um, kind of all boils down to them just stuck here together as a group in quarantine, which is like Nate. I don't know if you said this during recording or before, but like we kind of forgot what quarantine was like at the beginning, like at the, in this movie kind of brought it back. It was a very like interesting way to look at quarantine and more relatable now yeah, it, than it would have ever been. Obviously. Yeah. You kind of made me think like you, you, you mentioned that maybe that was reworked worked into the, the plot after, uh, you know, COVID and quarantine happened because the scene of the playwright talking a little later, and saying like that he wanted to show all these people like trapped together going through like a really unique and like raw emotional state i kind of wonder if that's not just like wes anderson like talking about wanting to capture the quarantine oh yeah i i agree i think that's totally it um so they're under a military quarantine uh the u.s government has a plan to cover it all up um June is a teacher, my Hawk's character, trying to focus on anything but the aliens, and they can't. Um, <laughs> the day before, um, Augie and Midge, they're in adjoining or next door neighbors, basically, in this motel. Not adjoining, but next door. And they have conversations through the window, and it's really a cool way to do this kind of chat. And Midge is working on a new film, and Augie's making photos, taking photos. And he takes a photo of her the day before. And the next day, he also took the alien photo. And he's getting the photos ready. And Midge goes, how'd the photo turn out? And he shows the alien one. And he's like, oh, it was great. All my photos came out. And he goes, she goes, no, no, no. The one of me, <laughs> which I thought yeah. was so good. Yes. The other one. <laughs> well, it's, and I think that's, it was the most obvious with her. And that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But outside of, the, like, the science kids, um, the military people, all of the people that are just there, like the ancillary people, they don't really care about the alien. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're kind of... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and mostly they just feel like they're inconvenienced because now they're stuck there. And and they just do not care one way or the other about the the fact that an alien descended and grabbed this meteorite and then left. It's something I started to feel at the f- end of the first watch and definitely felt throughout the second watch. It's a loss of wonder uh, among everybody. Like, they're jaded, right? The, there's a nuclear bomb going off within vision of you and you're like oh that's cool i'll take a picture of it or there's a two times a car chase with like two police cars and like guns firing go through this town and they're just like "Eh." and they see a goddamn alien and they're like "Eh." but the kid i think the the, woodrow does have a scene yeah where he's like i feel like i'm going crazy yeah yeah woodrow's just like why are we talking about this everything's changed i have all these questions about like the wonderment of a child you know it's literally that that we've all lost yeah i think is what wes anderson's pointing out is like this loss of wonder and curiosity and i don't know if it's about you know phones technology whatever the fact that we can google any answer and have it done in seconds this is something i've been thinking about a lot lately is like my loss of curiosity and like i've 
you know, asked my friend groups, these these guys included, more often lately, weird questions, I think. Like, uh, what is the reason for having rings on an animal? Like, that show how old they are. Like, what the what is the point of that evolutionarily, right? Or, like, if Spider-Man, if his powers are based on whether or not he'll be hurt, would he be able to I, I... Ah, yes, the wonder of a child. <laughs> Would Spider-Man's spidey sense tingle if he was about to shark? Hey, I 100% believe a kid would ask that question. But, I mean, that's what I'm thinking of, right, is, like, this curiosity that I feel like I've lost that I'm trying to regain now. And You know what, I think though? That's a good idea. I, I, one of the questions you asked was infinity a number. Yeah. And that, that has a, you know, a yes or no answer, but I will say that got me thinking for literally days about how I would define a number. Yeah, right? Isn't that something, like, I haven't done that in so long, and I remember doing yeah. that a lot as a kid. And, like, that idea of wonder and curiosity, I think, is something I'm trying to re-encapsulate by asking inane questions to my friends in Snapchat. <laughs> Any way I can. So, the funniest... I, I, I will say, from yeah. that whole Snapchat, for anyone who was following along, it's probably half the audience <laughs> in that Snapchat group. <laughs> I fully support you asking questions oh, yeah. in wonder. Yeah. I, I only get annoyed when I give you an answer and then you're like, but isn't that weird? And I'm like, no, I just explained <laughs> it to you. It's not weird well, anymore. You can explain it to me, but it's still weird, right? It's still like, okay, it's the, it's the rings on fish, right? There's some fish that if you cut into them, they have rings and you're like, Oh, it's because I'm gonna. I switch the camera to use it so as I do this impression, they can look at your face. It's like, oh well, you know, <laughs> when the seasons move and things change, it's like another layer. Like you shed layers and they add layers, blah blah blah, or whatever you said, some dumb shit like that. And I was like, but why? <laughs> but why? Why do we have to be able to count them? Or did we just assign the counting and that's on us? Or like, you know? And Nate's like, but that's just how it is. So like, who cares? And I'm like, no, but listen. No, no, like, no, no. <laughs> you said that. I, I explained how it happened. And then you were like, but what's the purpose? Yeah. There's not a purpose. Which, after watching this movie now, I feel like is okay. Because I think that's it the is point okay. of the movie. It's yeah. not okay to keep saying why, though. You're like, I we love the wonder of a child and we don't love the why game that a kid asks. <laughs> <laughs> we those can wonder both of a be child. true at the same time and sometimes six those lines blur yeah it's about three to six whys and then we're out um yeah so jake i will i will start to lean into my reasoning behind this movie it's it's life this movie is life it's about not knowing where you're going not knowing what you're doing and you just go forward and you keep going every day that's what this is about that's why uh when you said like why do they not ask what the question that's life you know, like honestly, every answer you can shrug off with that's life, which sucks. Yeah, I was, I was I gonna know. say you could throw that, you could throw that to any piece of art yeah. ever. But I think this one directly addresses it, and I think, I think that's what the Wes Anderson was going for. Do I know that? I have no idea. That's what I got out of it from the second watch and about the last quarter of the first watch is like, this is literally an, this is just an allegory for life. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. We don't know why we're doing the things we're doing, but we get praise for the good things we do and we get chastised for the bad things we do and we just keep going along that path kind of ping-ponging and that's why there's this like rhythm to it and we see people at different stages of their life like the kids the adults the older adults all acting differently because of the way that their life ping-ponged um and I like the literally any movie ever <laughs> well aren't all movies about life 
I'll say one one thing you immediately made me think of that I, I like noted in the uh, the general speech when mm. the speech his speech yeah. that he uh, he he's like telling the story of his life and he's describing it in chapters and literally the start of chapter one and then he describes like his childhood end of chapter one start of chapter two and he's like my dad went to war yada yada. Like, but he gives he he doesn't yada yada. He's yeah. like, this happens, and it's like he was wounded and comes back, and then he steps away from the microphone and goes, "I had a life, I had a family, I had a dog, the standard stuff." And then he comes <laughs> back and goes, "Chapter three, another war." Yeah, and it like it, it, you you're making me think of that, like how how he's like telling the story of his life, mm-hmm. and just like the normal stuff just kind of gets skipped over, and he's like, these are the interesting parts. Yeah, the violence was interesting. Like, if it bleeds, it leads yeah. kind of thing with the military folks. They were, like, shooting, yeah. uh, like, picture, <laughs> pictures aliens. of aliens. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> How did they make those up so fast? I know, that was, was so like, funny. <laughs> um, it's a contingency plan. Yeah, it's, it's X. Contingency plan X gray or whatever they said. So, um, there's a very funny, oh. awkward scene. Go ahead. Oh, it's, I, I think we passed it. That's why you you reminded me talking about the pictures. Yeah. That means we were past the uh, nude scene. Ooh. And I just loved the, uh, just another piece of like, because this movie is definitely, it's like a pl- we're watching a play and a lot of it, they do like talk about stage direction. Like you say at the beginning, they read the stage direction. There's a lot of like things that feel like behind the scene, like inside jokey kind of stuff that you get to like follow along with. So she does the nude scene. And she drops the towel and it cuts to behind her. But uh, there's a mirror and you can see her. Yeah. And then she immediately is like, we'll do it tasteful. Like, as I drop the towel, it'll cut to behind my legs. Like, immediately <laughs> after that happens, she says that. And I thought that was hilarious. The way that Augie responds to her. Okay, so that part made me laugh, too. I forgot about that. Um, Scarlett Johansson's like, hey, I have a nude scene. Do you want to see it? And then... Augie just sits there in silence. Yes. And he goes. <laughs> and after a minute, he goes, did I say yes? She goes, you didn't say anything at all. I meant to say yes. I was thinking yes. It's so good. Yeah, it good. Um, Apparently, Wes oh. Anderson was really uncomfortable during that shoot, and Scarlett Johansson wasn't. So that's what I read, too. And that makes complete sense to me as just what I've seen of Wes Anderson being like, eh, no. You know. But he did it. Oh, Made great. it work. Good for him. It's like yeah. Quentin Tarantino and how he shies away from those feet scenes. Oh, yeah, dude. Get Margot Robbie's yeah. dirty just, Barbie just like feet that. out of my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you didn't know, Quentin Tarantino always puts a foot scene in his movies in his mouth. Uh, Uma Thurman. <laughs> I was, I was going to say. And, and, who, and who will play that role? I will. Wouldn't it be funny to have a little director cameo here? <laughs> Do you have any socks? So, the other very funny part comes up. Um, ScarJo and the It Scout mom are talking at the outdoor communal shower. And the Scout mom is saying, I loved you in this movie. And she, like, ScarJo just keeps on, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, wow, she's explaining it. And then the mom goes, like, I don't know why more people didn't like it. And she goes, oh. I mean, I did. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you. And then Brian Cranston shows up. And he's been the narrator the whole time. We've only seen him in black and white. And he just kind of stands there and Scarlett looks over at him. 
And he goes, oh, am I not in this scene? And it just leaves as if it was a he mistake. Ducks. It's so good. Like a community play mistake. It's so great. Yeah, you know, again, it's one of those throwbacks. Like, at least it happened with me. I would keep forgetting that it's a play and you're just watching the movie. But then they keep throwing things at you like, nope, this is a this is a play that they're showing you on film. Yeah. But. Yeah, that was really. You're right. They kind of like take pluck moment. you. They like pluck you when you need to be. You know what I mean? Like, remember, none of this is real. Like, that's, oh, damn, nice. Um, so they, the junior stargazers get all this equipment together, and they have a plan to get the word out about the aliens. Uh, Cho is a writer, journalist for a school paper, and they released the story as well as pictures of the alien, which we find out mm-hmm. Augie sends to his photo person, like, immediately. And then we cut to Act 3 one week later, and there are just people everywhere with alien stuff and, like, partying and, like, Area 50, outside of Area 51 kind of vibes. Um, and we open, though... Oh, so let's go, to the, let's go to the B story, the Edward Norton story. So Edward Norton's the writer. Uh, we first see him writing and struggling to write, which is, you know, cool. And then um, we see him and Jason Schwartzman's character as the actor, not as Augie auditioning for Augie kind of and they have this moment of like being in love and uh, becoming romantically involved through that story and then we find out Edward Norton's trying to figure out how to make people sleep like be asleep and awake and like visually uh, like be in a sleep state and he says he he wants to do a play scene of people sleeping mm. and he can't figure out how to like do it because yes the people would just be sleeping he, on the stage. Yeah, he wants them to. He doesn't want them to act like they're sleeping. He wants them to be asleep. Right. But then all. But then like so one they have to like fall asleep on stage, but then also not miss their cues. Yeah, which is wild. So Willem Dafoe is the teaching, the actor, teacher, teacher, actor, actor, class, teaching, teacher. He's the teacher. I think he got it. <laughs> and, um. Adrian Brody is the director and he shows up and Edward Norton's there. And then a few of the cast members like my Hawk is out there. The guy who plays Montana is out there. Um, Matt Dillon's out there. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's out there. So like it's Scarlett Johansson's out there. All is the actors that end up in this play. Um, that's the start of act three. So we go back in. We're in the quarantine. Um, and everybody's upset about, the military's upset about the story getting out. And there's a super funny scene where they're interrogating the kid <laughs> and uh, somebody comes from off screen and brings Jeffrey Wright a note. And he says, it's from the president. And he looks at it real quick and throws it. He's pissed. <laughs> 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 like, what a great delivery and like line. That was so good. Um, so they're fighting for the right to, you know, be able to do that. And then uh, we hear the song from the kid and the band about the alien that was one of Nate's favorite <laughs> moments. They sing this jig and then we see June and um, Montana kind of get together and dance off and you know we're starting to see that that kindling. Um, so all these stories are kind of starting to run together which is cool. And then Augie and Midge show up again and we see Midge in a tub with a bunch of sleeping pills around her which she says is how she's going to die. So at first I was like oh shit did she do it? Yeah, that's what I th- I thought she was 
you know yeah because you're right like it was in act two or something when they were just having one of their window to window chats she said they were talking about how damaged they were yeah and she's like and she said that you know one day someone's gonna find me just strewn out naked with the empty bottle of pills next to me yep and she's doing it for a scene uh her character does that so she's like living in that which i think is interesting because I think Wes Anderson, I think I read this somewhere that he based it off like Marilyn Monroe and a couple other of those like 40s and 50s huge actresses that just, you know, lived this tortured life and went out that way. So I thought it was uh, a nice little nod to that idea of like what was an actress like in the 50s and what were they limited to? And Scott Johansson does a really good job. She keeps saying I'm a very funny comedian and like nobody knows. And, you know, they just put me as this, this girl in distress and naked and all that and yeah so they have that moment and then augie reads a, a, uh he's her scene partner as she's practicing and there's emotion that he needs to feel and he finally feels it and he like runs in with it and feels the emotion this is i think the first time we see him feel anything and we start to see it start to happen yeah more times after that um well even it because it, it struck me earlier when you were talking about you know just like the lack of emotion on things and then with the lack of wonder even when he takes those pictures he doesn't mm. take the picture of the atom bomb because he thinks it's amazing he doesn't take a picture of the alien because it's wondrous and a miracle he does it because he's a photographer yeah it's, it's, it's what you do you know so it's just it's just automatic like oh i'm a photographer you know Damn. but it's it's it, there's no there's none of his own wonderment in those pictures that he's taking that's really good. Yeah, I have that similar I did problem. I love that. Oh, good. I was going to say, like, I feel like I need to monetize any hobby I come up with. You know what I mean? Like, in this culture of, like, uh, side hustle and, yeah, I make... Grind culture. Yeah, yeah. like, every hobby, I was, like, one of the first things I think of is, like, how can I sell this to people? And I'm like, that's such a toxic thought process to put on everything. So, that's... That stood out to me, that moment, and that's yeah. a really good point by you, Jake. All right, Nate. You capitalist swine. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, Nate, what were you going to say? Oh, just thought I'd say that I, I think that was my favorite delivery of that was when Woodrow was freaking out, and he like, turns to his dad, and he's like, you took a picture of the alien, and he just went, I'm a photographer. Yeah. That was his reply <laughs> to that. Like, just, it's my job. Yeah. This is what I do. So we find out Augie and Midge fucked. Nice. And uh, Midge's daughter saw them. That's It's funny that you said that because as I'm looking at this document, which says Augie and Midge had relations. Yeah. I was like, had relations? Yeah, I was. What are you, what are you filling out a court document? <laughs> well, I was. So I, I take the notes on the first watch through. And I was very into like 1950s, like, like beg your pardon and like all that stuff. Uh, like it just got stuck in my Augie head. Augie and Midge had relations. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking. Like, how would someone with a... Extra, extra. <laughs> how would they write about that? A sordid affair revealed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That kind of shit. So, the quarantine's making everybody go crazy. Oh, sorry. They had relations. Augie finds out and burns his hand on the um, hot griddle thing. Like a stovetop. Like a, like a hot plate. Yeah, 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 like a hot plate. And we flashback in our heads, because this actually happened earlier, to the scene where him and Edward Norton had relations. And he asked him, why does he burn his hand on the hot plate? And Edward Norton went, I don't really know. And Augie goes, the guy who plays Augie goes, I think, I think it's because he wanted to know why his heart was beating so fast. 
And I was like, oh, that's all right. That's good. And then you see that. And then Edward Norton says, I should have him say that. And he's like, nah, that's stupid. But then he has him say it. And then we see it later. So it's like he could kind of sneak that in still. It was really, yeah. it was really know, cool way to do it. That happened again. Yes. And I, when, uh, but w- when they were saying, oh, you should have her say the line after she shut. But I don't, that didn't happen. I think it was cut. Because remember, they talk about stuff being cut. I think it was with his wife. I, I think it was Margot Robbie that was supposed to say that, not Midge, right? Or was it Midge? They say she, yeah. and I wasn't sure because we, we do know there was a scene that was cut, but it doesn't sound like the scene where she would be walking through a door. Uh, and then, of course, they do immediately do it as yes, well. Yes, yeah, she, she did it. Yeah, yeah, she did it when she when she proposed. You should have her say the line after she shuts the door and leaves, and then she says her last line after she shuts the door and leaves. Yeah. So then all the rest of the movie, I was keeping an eye out for when they – because yeah. I assumed it would be Midge. They even Sam. Um, she says scene. She says like scene five, act three, two. Yes. As soon as it yeah. cut away, I was like, "Shit, I forgot the name, of the number of the scene." <laughs> now I can't look out for it. Yeah, uh, but I, but I I'm love, pretty sure it didn't happen. Same. I yeah, think. and I I really love like I don't think this is I don't associate it with a Wes Anderson thing. I think it's this movie specifically. Like all of those callouts. Uh, like you said, like we, we hear about the burning the hand and then we see it. It was such a fun way to like set up so many things that you get payoff on. Yeah. Uh, I also thought in that scene, cause there's like this blurred line with the play when he burns his hand and then he, she like showed it to me, he lifts it up and Midge says like, holy shit, that actually happened. And I was like, did that happen? Like outside of the play? I think like, so. Did he really burn his hand or something? I think that's exactly uh, what happened is that he actually did. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, so the quarantine, so they all get they all get gathered down into the crater again, and they find out the quarantine's about to be lifted. And then guess who shows up? Mister Alien flies above them, drops the crater back into the meteorite, takes off, and then Plus. they're like, Plus. and then they're like, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to go into quarantine again. And then everybody just starts shooting shit and fighting and like blowing shit up. It's so perfect. <laughs> just like everyone's sick of it. We're done. I'm not doing this anymore. Very like, remember that. Yeah, that's what you're saying. That that feels like the the second quarantine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the so the, the general immediately just looks at the the asteroid or the meteorite and mm-hmm. had been marked. Yes, and he's like. They, they inventoried it, and it's it's never touched on again. So you assume that is what happened. So, so the alien comes down, he gets this meteorite, causes this whole thing, and literally they're just cataloging it, and then he put it back. Maybe. So even, even that was mundane. It was mundane to the aliens. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, so to the alien it was nothing. Yeah. They just they're just cataloging Damn, yeah right imagine us going to some less intelligent species and just like collecting something they're like oh we gotta put it i back. mean we can't disturb the we do that with animals yeah. all the time like tag them and yeah that's what yeah I mean. we that's do what I mean. yeah we, we yeah. tag an animal and then put it back and yeah bob's your uncle so they're having this moment um augie's trying to figure out what what's happening and he kind of breaks character literally and he runs out of the play and we see brian cranston in black and white he goes what are you doing here kind of a call back to earlier and he runs through and talks to the director and the director tells him 
the the kind of explanation I gave for what life is. Uh, you just kind of keep going. And people give you hoorays for doing just kind of smearing bullshit. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Something like a middle manager would say after you had a hard day at work. You'd be like, you know, we just come in every day, yeah. and you know, we feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he goes outside. I think it's, I think it's better than that. I think I exact. Do. Don't 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 balk at that. Like he was like, he was like, what's the answer though? And he was like, you don't know, but you're doing just fine. Just keep doing it. That's what he says basically. That felt very reassuring like, about he life. He says you're doing fine. Yeah, and keep keep doing it. You're, he said you're doing it right. Yeah, and like he actually knows in this context of the play. He's the director. He's like, you're doing what I want you to do as the actor. You don't have to know what the meaning of the play is. You're you're exactly. playing it right. And they yeah. can't know the meaning because we find out that the writer died six months into the show. So now we know that possibly Augie's actor character is dealing with this death. And he's taking it because he said he was taking it personally when, he t- when he's talking to um, Adrian Brody, the director. He's like, you know, I just feel this. I feel it. I feel everything about this. And I think that might have been part of it. He, like, he's not reconciling with that because he can't probably in the 50s. He can't be out and talk about it. So he, he goes outside, he says he's going to get a breath of fresh air, and the director says, you won't find any. And I thought that was a really cool line. Like, yeah. you know, it really stuck with me. And he goes outside, and we see Margot Robbie, who was, origi- who, who was the picture of his wife. We'd never see her other than a picture. And they have a really long conversation about a scene that was cut. And then Augie kind of feels back on his horse, I guess, and goes back. Um, you could almost take we- that as when he says, like, he needs a breath of fresh air. He just needs to like get out of the show, and he says he won't find it. And he literally walks into another part of the show. Yeah, like they true. they go out there and act out a scene from the play that like that's, we're still watching. That's very true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you can't escape this moment. Yeah, interesting. You have to lean into it. Just keep swimming. That's what I wrote about this movie. Just keep swimming. Um. So he comes back inside. And then we switch back to previous times where the writer is trying to figure out how to do the sleep scene. And we see the people that are in the movie start to wake up. And in a spotlight, you see them say, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. And they start chanting it. And everyone's chanting it. And then the alien walks through with the meteorite and kind of walks right into camera. And then it cuts to epilogue. And then we're back in the city and the quarantine's lifted. And the only one left is the family of Jason Schwartzman. So Augie, Tom Hanks. Woodrow and the three twin, the three girls. Um, and first, they try to like dig up who who are triplets in real yeah, life. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's fucking sick. It's yeah, it's it's two two identical twins, and then one like you know just triplet, but not an identical triplet. It's wild. I didn't know you could do that. So we we, we haven't touched on because it's not important to the plot, but those three girls were awesome. All the I, oh my god, I agree. They were hilarious. Every Actually, I think I, I think if you look back, my probably my top three laughs were just them yeah. being witches and or what you know. I'm a fairy. <laughs> if you torture us, we'll sacrifice you. Yeah, that yes. was so good. <laughs> when the, the, oh, can they I were they were princesses? going on a hundred. We're not a princess. I'm a werewolf. I'm a witch. <laughs> I'm half they alien. Cracked, I'm a fairy. They cracked me up. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, so Augie wakes up and sees Steve Carell. And he explains, hey, everybody got checked out. The president said we're good. Woodrow won the scholarship, and he has a girlfriend now, Midge's daughter. Augie gets Midge's address, which is a P.O. box. So, you know, about as close as she's going to let anyone get. Um, And that's the movie. I thought it was 
really fun and I would love for anyone who even thinks they like Wes Anderson to go see it. I really liked it. I would all, tell almost anyone to go see this movie. Yeah, I'm close uh, to it. Yeah. Maybe some, some older family members might not be into it, but I had it's a, a lot. Like we we've we've probably only covered like half the movie in terms of it was just it's a million miles a minute. Like it's kind of exhausting. But it's so funny. Yes. Uh, and it, and also has deeper stuff in it that's mm-hmm. enjoyable. It makes me want to go back and watch it again. I had a before I watched this movie, uh, I had a coworker uh, watch this movie, and she's I bet she's in her mid forties, and she's uh, she's like, oh, you know, I, I saw you know Asteroid City, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm gonna watch that. How'd you? She's like, it was awful. I didn't get it at all. <laughs> so, damn that's I, I i pray to god that i won't be that i'll still be, uh want to watch weird shit like this when i'm 60 and, that's what yeah. i picture like they're old there are old people who will love this movie i just i picture i can picture certain people exactly that i didn't get it it's yeah dumb. like yeah. that's what i think i that i know people i wouldn't recommend it to but even us like, who like watch movies a lot you know Walked out of it going, I don't know what I'm supposed to think, but that made us think more rather than just like dismiss it, which I think is a, mm. it's a tough thing to learn watching movies because you're so spoon fed and everything else, you know, to have something more open ended is tough. I get that. Um, what drink would you pair with this movie? I put a root beer float. Oh, that's a good like a 50s diner root perfect. beer float. I like that. Yeah. With sarsaparilla in it. Sarsaparilla. Yeah. But you have to like yeah, mix the good. soda water. Yeah. Yeah, it felt very of the time. So yeah, that was... Anybody have any final thoughts on Asteroid City before we move on? I don't... Uh, I'd say so many... Like I I keep... Things keep popping in my head that like we just like miss, but you, you could do that forever and I don't remember yeah. it well enough. This, uh, yeah, so e- fast. E- every scene in this movie was dense with you know, little quips with uh, and, and not Visual just... Visual gags too. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to say commented and, on. yeah, it was not just uh, it was not just dialogue, it was it was the props, it was the background uh, the, the vending machines. Machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It feels orange. <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. Oh, and one thing I was going to ask about when so they're playing the name game, mm. and then when they're doing it later, and the the list has gotten huge, and we don't even know how big the list is, but they're like beeping or something. Out. They say out. She's saying out. They just made it? up another rule that we never get to hear. But I think okay, it's I think I it's like once it. people are out, they don't get to say another one. So she's saying like their spot still like out out this. It's oh, in the same kind damn. of sequence, and then it goes That's lower. Good. And I think she's going backwards because she's going out out, not and then the, it goes only not out that once. Time, the next she time she said I have to restart. She said I have to restart, and she started back at clean. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, I think that's what they were doing is like saying when someone was, like you have to say every person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. It's good shit. Yeah, we didn't even touch on the name game oh there's so many go so see many it things go see it it's fun yeah. it's a good time and i think if you listen to this you're not spoiled like i don't think you could spoil this movie i you know i, I mean? agree i think i think the story is irrelevant yeah it's fun it keeps you interested it does its job but 
experiencing it as something different. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's more about the about experiencing it, about the visuals, about the and, and even it's, just, it's always like, about the characters for Wes Anderson too. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we uh, we like I can tell you what you know I, about the window scene between Midge and Augie, but it's mm. the, you know it doesn't matter what they said. What matters is seeing it and experiencing yeah. it. Yeah, agreed. Well, that was Asteroid City. Uh, we're gonna move on now to our game this week. It's called I Can Do Anything Ooh. Better Than You. I give you a number of hints for a movie or TV show. Each hint gives more away. You bid on how few you can do it in. So if you say I can do it in two, Nate would have to say one or guess it. So you, you know, I'll tell you how many hints there are total. You start bidding back and forth, and then you try to get the other person to not be able to get it. Uh, if you win the bid and you get all the points for however many hints you didn't need. So if you bid two, you get five points if there's seven. If you get it wrong, the opponent gets a guess for half the points with one more hint. So if there's three left, they get one more hint. They only get one point if they get that one right. You should get a base point for getting it right anyways. Because if I say seven yes. and there's seven hints, 100%. then I should still get a point. It will round up, including zero to one. Okay. okay. Nate, did you win the last game? No. No. So Nate's going to go first. Uh, not ready to lose again. This, this is one, happening. This has seven hints. Go ahead, Nate. How many do you need? Four. Jake? Jake's too much of a coward to go lower than that on the first one. I'll do three. Nate? <laughs> go for it. Three. All right, Jake, here you go. This TV show ran from 2009 to 2015. It's the first hint. Okay. Second hint, the 88 wrote and performed the theme song for this show. Mm, okay. Third hint, the last season was online only. Two thousand nine to two thousand fifteen. Yep. I'm gonna say oh, I'll say um what's that show with the rich people? That I always hate. The money in the banana stand. Oh, Arrested Development. Yeah, that's my guess. Arrested Development. It is not. Okay. So Nate, you get one more hint, and you can win up to two points. There. John Oliver was on the show. Yeah, I already knew it was Community. <laughs> yeah. mm. Nate gets two points for that one. Nice job. Oh, that's right. That was. Yep. Online only. Okay. It was Yahoo. I, Hulu I, only, and they killed it. It was Yahoo. I, oh, Yahoo. Even yeah, worse. Yeah. yeah, even worse. I, I, yeah. I didn't watch Community until, like, at, until maybe, you know, the late 20 aughts. Yeah. Yeah. No, wait. Is it aughts? The 20 teens? Well, I think the aughts are 0 to 9. Yeah. Or 10. So, and then yeah. the teens would be 11 to 19. So the late 20 teens is when I watched it. So when I watched it, it was already all done. Yeah. Well, not yet. And on Netflix, probably. It's coming back for a movie with Donald Glover. Terrible timing with the writer's strikes. Yeah, it sucks. All right, so the other hints were uh, focuses on a school created by Dan Harmon, stars Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Diana Glover, Chevy Chase, Gillian Jacobs, Allison Brie, and Yvette Nicole Brown. Nice job. Nate, you have two points. Uh, do you want to bid first, or do you want to have Nate, Jake bid first? Jake can bid first. Okay. Bitch. Five, five hints for this one. Five. Five hints. Four. Four? 
Two. Two. Mm-mm. Go for it. I'm passing. All right. Two hints for Nate. This movie came out in 2006. The film itself takes place in 2012. Those are your two hints. Jake can get one point if you do not get this right. Oh, that feels too recent. I don't know if I can think of anything else, though. The day after tomorrow? That's incorrect. All right, Jake. All right. Your next hint focuses on a therapist. Then I get two more hints because I said four. No, you get one more than Nate said. Focuses on a therapist. Why I went two. <laughs> I don't got it. All right. Uh, the fourth hint is it's animated. Oh, god damn it. What is it? Paprika. Yep. <laughs> Nate Celeste 2, Jake has zero. I had yeah, no idea when that movie... I had oh, no that idea was when 06. that movie took place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so 2006 it came out. 2012 it said when it took place. I couldn't tell you either. I just thought that was a fun, stupid hint to yeah. throw in there. Le- leave it to the Japanese to be like, in six years we'll have this technology. <laughs> they did. Just to say they don't, we're just asleep. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this is all that technology. Okay. COVID? What are you talking about? Wake up. <laughs> you can't wake up if you never went to sleep. You can't wake up. Okay. Oh, God. This, all right, Jake. You want to bid first or not? I'll bid first. Okay. This is six hints. Three. Nate. Go for it. All right, first hint. This show started in 2019 and is still running. Okay. Second hint. Based on a concept developed by Bruce Lee. Oh, I know it, but I want to hear the third hint. Focuses, or sorry, takes place during the Tong Wars. That would be Warrior. Correct. The other three, I'd never seen the show, so I hope I got these right. I love, (laughs) I know. I've I've, I've raved about that show on this podcast a number of times. What are the other hints? I need to start watching it. Focuses on a martial arts prodigy. Uh, it's been on two different networks and returns to HBO Max for season three after a hiatus. Nailed it. Three points for Jake. Well done. I feel like I should have went under just to cut your potential points in half. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I was getting that. Well, Nate, you're currently losing, so you get to go first on this one. You want to three to three to two, right? It is. Do you want to bid first or All do you right. want to let Jake bid? I'll bid. It is nine hints. Hey, man, I'm trying to figure you out, Ben. <laughs> Four. Four to Jake. Can you go three? How many questions are left? Uh, including, not including this one, three. Okay. We got I'll do, uh, I'll do three. Okay. Yeah, you go for it. All right, first hint. This TV show premiered in 2023. Okay. Second, its co-stars were in another show together. Okay. And the third, only two characters are in every episode. (laughs) 
no penalty for guessing. 2023. Mm-hmm. Co-stars ran another show. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. You um, this. You got this. The Dance of Dragons. Very close, but no. Nate? That's what I like to hear. Your next hint and your last one, this is for... You can take up to three points. It was recently nominated for 24 primetime Emmys. Damn it. <laughs> doesn't help me. <sighs> You're very close. I feel like it should help me more, but I can't think of, of something else. Nope. Nate, I'm going to need a guess. I feel like based on that, it's the, the Lord Bumble. of the Rings show, but I don't... Oh, wait. Ring of Power. I'll guess Ring of Power. That is also incorrect. Damn it. Uh, the next hint was original cast members have been seen on the show in different and same roles. The original creator also created the show. The characters are running from the world itself. It's based What's on a this? game. Is this the Witcher prequel? Pedro Pascal is in it. Oh, shit. Uh, the Last of Us. Yep. Oh, yeah, of- yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Only two characters. Nice. Yep. Okay. Uh, Last of Us. The, um, tough one. I, I was confident it wasn't Rings of Power because I'm pretty sure Rings of Power did like all relative newcomers. Yeah. I don't think there were anybody in there. Uh, some of yeah, the original. The only thing I could think that was close. The original voice actor of a couple of them are in it. Some as the same character, some as different. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Jake's still winning three to two. Um, Nate, would you like to bid first or second? First. It is eight tenths. Four. Okay. Bastard. Jake, can you go three? <sighs> I'm going to pass. Okay. Nate gets four to win for, for four points. This movie is a sequel. I think you made a mistake and you know it. This we'll movie see. is a sequel. Yep. Second one. The movie released in 2023. Third one. This movie is animated. And then you get a fourth, right, Jake? He, he gets fourth. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. A fan got to animate part of this movie. Ah, there you go. Uh, I just want to make sure I say it right. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You got it. Four points for Nate on that one. Uh, the other hints I were... I don't know if I would have gotten that one. That last three. hint helped, yeah. Yeah. The other hints were Andy Samberg plays a voice in this movie. This movie yeah. is in a multiverse. It's a Marvel character movie. I didn't know if it was an actual Marvel movie, so I didn't want to say that. But it's a Marvel character movie. And then yeah, there are I multiples. Think it's still owned by Sony. I think so too. There are multiples of the main character in this movie. Was the last one. All right, nice. two left. Jake is now in second place. It's four points to three points. Jake, would you like to bid first or second? 
Wait, didn't I just earn four? No, points? yeah, he just I'm earned sorry, four. So it's six so to six, six to three. I wrote the number. Um, I'll go first. First, there are four hints for this one. We're just all over the place. Yeah, two. I like two. keeping us guessing. Two. Yep. Nate. One. All right. Nate, your hint is eat the rich. Succession. Incorrect. Jake, the yeah. second hint for what you can get one point by getting this. The second hint is this is a movie. Hmm. Movie for Eat the Rich. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Don't remember it. I feel like there's two that you could you yep. can answer this with pretty easily. The- it's just like not for I'll, I'll say triangle of sadness so close all right it was the menu the next clue was harry okay. potter's arch enemy is in this movie oh eat yeah. the rich eat the that, rich that's that's uh, you're and clever the last clue was just the word cheeseburger uh-huh. mm. okay i this is a really good game guys i think we made it there's you're a clever boy i i i have a uh I'll talk about it after the game. Okay. I think I think it just needs one adjustment. We, How we many both have role critiques, but yeah. the concept of the game is great. Yes. How many points yeah. you get? Yeah, it's okay. too easy to game this game. But. Yeah. Yes. It is. All right. Uh, Nate, you're winning six to three. If Jake gets this right with one hint, he wins. Is that fair? No. What? No. I'm no. tired of these. Just let it, No. I've won, lost twice. Jake no longer gets a handicap. Okay. Jake, how do you feel about that? I think that's reasonable, but I'll, I'll tell you my scoring complaint after okay. this because, okay. yeah, fine. yeah. Uh, Nate, or sorry, Jake, you are in second place. It's six to three, so you get to go first. There are three hints. Oh, well, yeah, then I can't. Yeah, I know. Can't you can't win, so. <laughs> you can just, wait, if you guess the movie without any hints, I'll let you win. All right, Jake, just play as you would play if you would have only gotten a one-point penalty if you go second. Well, I'll, I'll say two because I think I can get it in two. Okay. I mean, I got to say one. Okay. All right. Nate for one. You get two points if you get this right. Our main character is a professor in this movie. What movies have we reviewed this year? I feel like that's part of the theme. <laughs> he was a professor. I just said is a professor. You gendered professor. Wow. <laughs> got a point. I just want there to be no ifs and or buts no, about what the no, clue was. Thank you. Thank in you case it out. is a female professor. But it's a male professor. Yeah. <laughs> I still I can't think of anything. Ooh. Boop boop boop. Yeah, you're getting close. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, do you know? Oh, it? It's the, it's the whale. Yeah, it is. Yep. Oh yeah. The next clue is this movie takes place in a single location, and the third clue is might not want to eat while you watch this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm ashamed. I know. You still want? Not as ashamed as Brendan Fraser. Oof. In the whale. Yes, as the character, whatever you played. 
All right, my, Jake, what's your change? I don't know the t- solution. Here's okay. the problem. Points. Nate Nate had a lead of three points. Yeah. If there's only three rounds left, he could bid one yep. clue on everything, cap me out at getting one point per round and only getting two clues per round. Maybe the point should be based so, on not how many hints there are, but like, uh, like if you get on the first try, or maybe make them all the same number of hints. But I think that takes away the bidding thing. You know what I mean? The the, the bidding thing is great. It's yeah. it's just I because I, I just noticed that. I that's think, why that's why I asked how many questions were left at right. one point. Because I'm like, if I get a, if if you get a little bit of a lead, you can you can force a stall True. by forcing them to guess, and they'll only get two hints worth mm. up to one point. True. For the rest of the game. I think capping the points at or dividing the points in half is too much uh-huh. and i think maybe you could just let them take their last bid oh okay so so jake says three if i say two he does have to say one or let me try two and then he gets the third hint uh or if i like if i just go straight to one that, well, yeah, honestly, I would, that, I that happened, to, Jake. That that happened in that one round, though. I said four, you said two, you missed it, and then Ben gave me one more clue, and I'm like, I thought I'd go back up to four. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you go to whatever you bid, and I mean, then you just get points based on that. I felt so, like, like too many things get... for me to remember, so I was like, let's just. <laughs> no, no, no that's fair. <laughs> I mean, dividing by half was hard, but yeah, uh, it was too much. But but I think the big thing, like, yeah, if, uh, dividing by if, half is doubling. Shut up. I, I think if you let the the loser take whatever they bid last, uh-huh. that's fair. Yeah, for sure. That's if they remember, they for sure. And then they they that's they still limit their score based on that. True. And then yeah. they just get full points for whatever they. But then is there less of a like? Is there less of an incentive for you to like jump a number like you did? Like go from well, four say to two. Jake bids four. Say I bid six, and then Jake bids like four. Mm-hmm. Do I want to bid three? Or, or jump to like if I jump to two, then I score more points if I get it right. Sure, yeah. And you could like make the the loser also take like a one point penalty potentially or something to make it hurt a little more. Yeah. But there's something there. It's a great it's a great strategy. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I I think that game was a lot of fun. Dope. We'll bring it back. New rules. Uh, before we go, I would like to thank you all for listening. Uh, I think you got to cut out that entire rule discussion. Oh, no, that's staying in. That's fun. <laughs> that's not great listening. <laughs> thanks for listening to our episode today. <laughs> I'd like to thank my guests for joining us. Nate and Jake, as always, thanks for being here. Uh, if you are new here, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you do listen to on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And if you're watching, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on TikTok at Roman Cinema on both. Now let's talk about what we'd recommend people to watch that isn't Asteroid City. Jake or Nate, which one wants to go first? Um, I'll mention this has been mentioned as a recommendation before, but I just finished it. Uh, I just finished Ted Lasso, huh. the the series finale. Uh, yeah, really, really good all the way through. Uh, it's definitely lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know doesn't take itself seriously at all, but I think there's great characters, great moments. Definitely worth a watch. Very fun. Um. And then I have to double check the name of this podcast. Oh, a podcast. Because. Oh, goose in the competition. <laughs> yeah, right. No, don't worry. We're not going to. It's the Lord of the Rings lore cast. Ooh. And, and the guy that does it 
um nerd his yeah he goes by robots but he's he does other lore cast too so he does like oh, a no, witcher lore like cast uh, elder scrolls lore cast and he's very in-depth yeah so it's it's if you follow one of the things that he does a lore cast about mm-hmm. then i think it's amazing i think if you don't like like say you're not you oh i want an introduction to lord of the rings i think this would be very heavy mm. and hard and hard to follow along mm-hmm. but um yeah if and like i said he he does lore casts on all sorts of topics if you're a fan of one of those topics, check it out because he does a good job of the deep dives. So it's kind of like, uh, like I think a lot of people hit this wall with media. They're like, I've seen, I've taken in everything that's been made by the person who made it. What's next? And this is one of those things that sounds like fills that very nicely. Yeah. Fans for fans sake kind of thing. That's cool. Love it. Chain recommendation. Uh, Jake, have you heard of in deep geek? The YouTube. Channel? Yes. Uh, yeah. That that's it reminds me of the exact same thing. This, no, this guy. is in in deep. I love in deep geek. I watched all of them, but uh, in deep geek is much more. The um, what's the word? Just appealing to a mass audience than this. Mm. This mm-hmm. is this god, is. God damn! This is dense. deeper. Oh yes. my god! All right, I'm scared now. This is like there's <laughs> indices and appendixes and what's the little thing at the bottom. Citations. Basically, he's going through the Silmarillion like chapter by chapter, and then he does a podcast episode Sick. on every chapter. Hell wow. yeah, yeah, that is deep. Like for the record, Ben in Deep Geek, I thought this was he goes through the Silmarillion, but like gives you he tells the whole st- like he gives you an overview of one of the stories, oh. whereas this guy is like reading it like the abridged version with notes. Apparently, yeah. he's like essentially, yeah, essentially, it is yeah. more like a companion to this you know nice wow but that's awesome yeah it's it's really cool stuff i'm it's it's like a perfect level for you know i don't know because there's like introductory to you know whatever topic and then there's more in-depth and then this is like i don't know it's deep yeah deep into lore you can always go deeper that's sick wow uh thank you for the recommendation jake nate what do you got uh, so, one thing uh, recent that we started watching, uh, Welcome to Chippendales, mm. is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, it's, do you, have you guys heard of it? It's Kumail, right? Uh, is he in that? What's that? Kumail Nanjiani, isn't he in that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Kumail Nanjiani. It's, it's like the story of how Chippendales came into existence. And it's very interesting because, like, yeah, Kumail Nanjiani is playing... Like the founder is not, and I I assume that it's basically roughly a real story. Like it's at least Mm. like broad strokes. And the guy is not who you would expect. He's Mm -hmm. like this straight laced businessman who like emigrated from India and like owned a gas station and was like scraping, scraping pennies. Just he wanted to make money somehow. Mm. And so he opens this club and like keeps adjusting his strategy because it's not working and lands on Chippendales. <laughs> and then like the madness, like it gets incredibly successful and like there's all the craziness around like a strip club and like the first female, you know, strip club for, for you know, male strip club for, for women in existence and this party life. And he's like this straight laced guy who's like literally like 
charmed like he falls in love with an accountant because she's so good at pinching pennies uh it's it's really great uh and it's like really compelling we're like on the edge of our seat even though it's it's not like a murder story or anything but it's it's really interesting what's going to happen i feel like pinching pennies is a really good like unnamed sex move (laughs) (laughs) pinching Uh, pennies over here whoa (laughs) (laughs) i'm not into that not yet that's a really Uh, good one and then and then uh an old recommendation also meta recommendation for hulu i i didn't get hulu for the longest time because i had a bad impression of it because i think i trash talked it like if you go back a couple years because i didn't like that the premium versions had ads um which like there is a one that doesn't now that my stepdad is paying for uh so but like we've been watching everything on Hulu. Like mm-hmm. we we stopped, we haven't picked up Netflix since they started enforcing the household thing. So I haven't watched anything on Netflix. Disney Plus kind of sucks. Yep. Uh, like content wise, uh, I, I'm I, watching I the Secret like... Agent show, but begrudgingly right now it <laughs> sucks. I gotta say, Disney Plus is like you get it one month a year. Watch what you want. Get out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, HBO is great, obviously, but they're so spaced out. So we've been like almost exclusively watching Hulu, like for our daily watch stuff. Uh, and it's all the old sitcoms. And my other recommendation, it's old, uh, but fresh off the boat, mm. uh, is a really good that we wish we had known it existed because it was like 2015. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a story of like first generation uh, Chinese family who live in uh, California, and it's just really funny. Nice. Uh, you know fish out of water kind of stuff uh it's really fun that's awesome also the theme song is a banger hell yeah it's like 10 seconds long and every single time i'm like it's a rap song like the main character kid is into rap uh and so it's just like i don't even know who but i'm sure it's actually like a famous rapper they've had uh dre on the show they've had uh like someone associated with beyonce someone in there they have a lot of like rap and hip-hop people like make guest appearances because the main kid is into rap nice so the the main song is a rap song and it's like i'm fresh off the boat <laughs> so good <laughs> that's awesome uh i heard abbott elementary is good and that's also on uh hulu I haven't yeah started we've been yet. watching that that's is incredible good? okay all right good yeah um my recommendation thanks Dick. uh my recommendation this week is popcorn movies you know i think we were talking before the podcast about someone nate watt or jake watched that kind of turned him off from this, like, like the fandom of this movie of Asteroid City, and I felt like I was that person for a long time. Like I only watched films, you know. I like snubbed <laughs> all the other ones. I started watching Fast and the Furious and like all the Mission Impossible's now, and I'm gonna do all the Transformers. Like, you know what? If you go into it knowing what you're gonna get, it's fucking fun and it's a good time and enjoy. Like it. like Marvel movies? No. Oh, well, some of them, some of them, yeah. But like, they're the same story, and like, somehow, Fast and the Furious doesn't feel like the same story yet. I think because it's like I'm an eight only instead of thirty eight. Because there is no story. No, I, I there is. Say, there based, is though. Based on the the podcast, like my favorite movie podcast, uh, they've did the most recent Fast and the Furious, and they go through and they're like, it's good and it's good and it's good, and now they like fucking hate it, like, yeah, because it got samey at the at the like the last two or three yeah i but just, yeah i mean yeah. they are they're like it's good for a while in the middle there yeah it's fun there's like fun st- like 65 just dropped on netflix it's an hour and a half long adam driver walking through the forest trying to not get eaten by dinosaurs rad if that's all you need rad it's very bad characters yeah. yeah yeah i guess 
It's it's like when I saw that uh, the, the Transformers Rise of the Beast, mm-hmm. and you you said was it any good? And I'm like, eh. If yeah. you want to go see if you want to go see robots beat the shit out of each other, pretty cool. It's fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, was it was, was it a fine film? Ugh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was cool. Yeah. Cool to see. Exactly. Like they don't all need to be like in Bruges or yeah. Asteroid City. Like I really like or it. Drive. Oh. <laughs> Still not going to watch Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, though. <laughs> I I will. Mm. My wife loves those movies, so I'm going to go see it. I don't know if I will. I love Indiana Jones, but I... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh. Trash. You know what's crazy? That's the only one I've seen all the way through that I remember. Really? What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. They're pretty old. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, do yourself a, a favor point. and go back and watch oh, the first two. Now that they're, I'm in this... Yeah, I'm yeah, going go back, back and watch the first two. Oh we should like oh we should do that. <laughs> uh, we should watch like the first two and do the podcast. That'd be honestly, good. Yeah. they're really good. Right. We can do that. But I'm not uh, going to watch the fifth one. Well, maybe. well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, thanks for Wait, listening. Just, I th- just pop. You're generally recommending watch watch popcorn movies, yeah. not a specific. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just right. have fun with your movie choices. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening. Enjoy your rum. Enjoy your cinema. We'll see you next time.